Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is coming soon. For our sermon meditation today, we read from Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. He then said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What then should we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied to them, The one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none, and the one who has food must do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He told them, Don't collect any more than what you have been authorized. Some soldiers also questioned him, What should we do? He said to them, Don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. Now the people were waiting expectantly, and all of them were questioning in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff, he will burn with fire that never goes out. Then along with many other exhortations, he proclaimed good news to the people. These are the words. May the Holy Spirit bless our study of them. Amen. When John the Baptist started preaching out in the wilderness of Judea, he told the people, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Many went to hear him, and after hearing what God's prophet had to say, many of them stepped forward, confessing their sins, and they were baptized. But there were others who came for different reasons. The Pharisees didn't believe they needed any cleansing from God. They merely came to see what was going on out there. Perhaps they would be baptized but only if it would make them look good. They certainly weren't going to be confessing any sins. Matthew's Gospel tells us this same account, and it shows that when John the Baptist called out, brood of vipers, his words were aimed at the Pharisees. He knew these men to be hypocrites, 
Like Jesus later said, they were more concerned with what the people thought of them than what God thought of them. And John was not about to baptize men that he knew were not really sorry for their sins. No, what these men needed most was to understand that they were sinners headed for judgment. And that's what John bluntly told them. Who warned you guys to flee from the wrath that's coming? If you're sorry about your sins, then how about you produce some evidence? If you're sorry, let's see your life actually change. The Greek word for repentance that is used here is metanoia. The word literally means a change of mind. One Greek dictionary explains further, a change of mind which results in a change of life or lifestyle. And just so they didn't start making excuses, John took away their favorite one. Don't go saying that you're descendants of Abraham. That's not going to help anything. God could make descendants for Abraham from these rocks if he wanted to. God had promised Abraham that the Savior would come from his family. But that didn't mean that everyone in Abraham's family was going to heaven. So after telling the religious elite that they were children of serpents, who actually needed to show that they were repentant instead of just saying things like that, and after telling them that he didn't want to see their family tree because that wasn't going to get them any points with God, then John the Baptist gave them one more sober warning. The axe is at the root of the trees, gentlemen. And every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be felled and burned. In other words, it's close, people. Your judgment is coming soon. Later in his gospel, Luke tells us how the Pharisees reacted to John's rebuke. From Luke 7, verse 30, the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by John. So God sends his prophet, and they say, we don't need it. When John rebuked them, they went home. His warning fell on deaf ears. But others took John's warning to heart. Yes, others who were listening to him heard his words and thought, that makes sense. If you're sorry, then you shouldn't keep doing the same thing. Stumbling in sin is one thing. Practicing sin is another. True repentance, yeah, that ought to mean bearing fruit that matches your words. Besides, God knows what you're thinking. You might be able to fool everyone else, but not him. In 1 John 1, it says, If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, 
and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Do your actions match your words? Or are there things that you need to bring to God? Perhaps ways of living that you need to walk away from? Have you allowed arrogance to settle in your heart like the Pharisees did? Do you think, I'm the exception? Maybe you don't think those words in your mind. But do you think, it's okay if I do this? Maybe because of the family you belong to or the level of income that you have or because of your talent in one area or another. Perhaps it's time to remember that sinners all stand on the same level playing field as those who are condemned and need cleansing. None get special favoritism before God because of what family they belong to or how popular they are. Or maybe you've settled into thinking that there's plenty more time for me to make changes. I can wait. But the truth is, your last day may be set for next month or next week. Today, Today, John speaks to us from the past, and he says, wake up. He says, it's time to make sure your priorities are all in the right order. The Pharisees did not heed John's words, but others did. And those others approached him with genuine questions. I'm going to read verses 10 through 14 again. What then should we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied to them, The one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none, and the one who has food must do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He told them, Don't collect any more than what you have been authorized. Some soldiers also questioned him, What should we do? He said to them, don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. John was teaching them how to show that their hearts had been changed. It's almost like he's teaching little children the simplest of lessons. And isn't that what we need from our God and Savior? Don't we need to go back to his word to hear those simple words sometimes? Things like, don't steal. Don't abuse your authority. Be satisfied with what God has given you. John the Baptist must have said a lot of other things to the people who came asking him, how should we live? But this little handful of things that we have here serves to show us, to remind us once again that God has specific things that he wants us to do and specific things that he says, don't do this. God has outward actions he wants us to complete 
and he has inward attitudes that he wants us to have and grow in. In other words, there is such a thing as right and wrong. And the one who gets to tell us what that looks like is the God of the Bible. In this section, John answers specific questions for specific people. What should I do if I'm a tax collector? What should I do if I'm a soldier? But what if you had been there on the banks of the Jordan River? What if after hearing what God's prophet had to say, you had been moved by the Spirit to step forward and say, what about me? John, what should I do? What would he say to you? Would he say, stop looking at porn? Would he say, stop ducking responsibility? Would he say, start leading your family like the spiritual leader that God wants you to be? Would he say, start forgiving that person instead of hating them? Would he say, go and ask forgiveness for that ancient sin that you've never really addressed? Some of you know right now what John would have said to you. But if you don't, Maybe it's a good idea to think about that question later today. What would John tell me to do? This isn't an exercise in saving ourselves by doing better. You know, one of my favorite authors says that for a long time, that's what he thought Christianity was all about, trying harder, doing better. Then he realized that it it's not about trying harder and doing better. It's about recognizing that we're broken sinners, but we're loved by God. That's how he summarized the gospel. Be broken. Be loved. No, we can't save ourselves by doing better. There's only one Savior, and he's already done the work required to take our sins away. He already died on the cross and swallowed up all the hell that was coming our way. When John the Baptist told the people how to live their lives, he was simply helping them to align their lives and their thinking with the will of God. He was helping them to battle against their inner sinful nature so that it wouldn't drag them away into sins that would drag them away further and further away from God until their faith was extinguished. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship means sharing. Sharing in the forgiveness that Christ provides for sinners. 
and also sharing our heart with God, laying it open before him, and opening ourselves to each other as well. You remember that old movie line, if you build it, he will come? Well, when it comes to our sins, it's a little different. God says, if you bring it, I will cleanse. If you bring it, I will cleanse. John the Baptist was a remarkable character. He appeared on the scene as a hermit in strange clothing, a rugged man living out in the wilderness and preaching by the river. When the polished Pharisees came out to see him, he thundered at them out of love for their souls, but he thundered at them. And the everyday people loved it, no doubt because the hypocrites were getting trashed by John's blunt honesty, but also because they were hearing the truth. People loved John because the words that he told them, in those words, there was a warning that applied to their souls and that they needed to hear. And so it isn't surprising that they would wonder, is, is this guy the Christ? Is this the Messiah that God promised to send so long ago? Listen again to verses 15 and 16. Now the people were waiting expectantly, and all of them were questioning in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I am is coming. Than I am is coming. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John answered their question. I'm not the I'm not the Messiah. I'm just here to baptize. The one who is coming soon is so much more powerful than I am. In fact, I'm not worthy enough even to take off his dirty sandal. That was the job of the slave, by the way. The lowest slave in the house had the job of taking off the master's dirty sandals or the guest's dirty sandals and washing their feet. And here John says, I'm not worthy of doing that for the one who is coming soon. Why? Because the one who was coming soon was the very Son of God. No sinner is worthy of serving God's Son in even the smallest of ways. How could we be? John says, I baptize with water, but when he comes along, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Bible teaches us that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It teaches us that the Holy Spirit works through baptism to create or strengthen faith in the hearts of people, faith in Jesus. So this wasn't a small thing that John the Baptist was doing out there in the wilderness. But the Messiah's ministry, that would be much greater he would live without sinning 
He would die as the scapegoat for the sins of the whole world. He would rise from the dead on the third day so the whole world knew that he was the one and that their sins had been paid for. And after the Messiah ascended back to his Father's side, he poured out the Holy Spirit on his followers in Jerusalem. He poured out the Spirit and fire. He did it on Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit enabled his followers to speak the gospel to thousands of people there in Jerusalem in languages that they had never learned before. And thousands of people came to faith through the cleansing fire that is the gospel message. And then those thousands went out with that message and thousands turned into millions. John the Baptist could point to the Savior. Jesus was the Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And perhaps you noticed too that John, he points past the Lamb of God also at the end of our sermon reading. He points past the cross of Christ to the day when the Messiah will return to judge the world. Listen one last time to verses 17 and 18. His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with fire that never goes out. Then along with many other exhortations, he proclaimed good news to the people. In ancient times, they didn't have combines to bring in the harvest. When the grain was ready and dry, they would go out and cut it by hand, bundle it up, and bring it to the threshing floor. That was just a big flat area where they would pile the grain. And then they would trample it down with their own feet or with oxen or dragging sleds across it or using some kind of tool. They would pound up the grain so that the stalks would be broken up and the hard kernels of wheat would fall through. Then on a windy day, they would cast that up into the air so the wind would blow away the chaff and leave only what was good there, the kernels that they wanted. And then the chaff would be burned up and the grain gathered for storage. John sees the Messiah doing the work of separating the grain from the chaff on the last day. John started by calling out the Pharisees, saying, You snakes, the judgment is coming for you. Now he brings that thought around to their minds and to ours as well. For the same is true of us. Our judgment is coming soon. When will the day of our death arrive? No one knows. We may wish for a quiet passing in our beds when we're old, but the truth is, the day comes in many unexpected ways. And when will the day of God's wrath come? The day when the Messiah returns to shovel in his grain and burn up the refuse forever. Again, we don't know. The Bible tells us we can't know. 
so we must remain prepared, ready to stand before God with repentant hearts, hearts that look to the one Messiah in faith, in complete trust. How do we do this? How do we stay ready? John teaches us. You stay ready by making sure your sorrow over, in, over sins isn't just words. Godly repentance is followed by change or repeated attempts at change. The Lord knows we're stumbling sinners. He is patient and gracious. We stay ready by walking in the light, not hiding our sins, not excusing them, but confessing them. And knowing that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.